today, though, we are starting a brand new message series called All the Feels. And we're going to talk about emotions, boys and girls. Sometimes you're going to feel angry in life. Sometimes you're going to feel sad. There's a fun emotion, though, called joy. And we're going to talk about all of the feels, all of the emotions. And for some of us, we're like, oh, boy, here we go. Like, feelings, I don't have feelings, only sarcasm. Or I like my feelings like I like my water, bottled. Or you're like, hey, <laughs> Alexa, can you turn off my feelings? <laughs> Anybody ever say that? Or you're like, uh, I went to my psychologist, and, you know, psychologist told me I have a hard time identifying my emotions, and I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I just think, uh, I think the church needs to be a safe place to talk about emotions and feelings, and the Bible's full of them, and so we need to address them. And so I want to jump into Matthew 26 in a moment where Jesus has some heavy emotions, and how does he handle them? How does he deal with his feelings? In verse 36, the scripture says, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. <coughs> then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that we wouldn't just be doers of your or hearers of your word, but doers of your word this morning. We pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen, amen. You know, as we talk about emotions, I'm thinking uh, about my childhood, and I'm thinking about growing into my feelings, and us Sri Lankan men tend to be stoic at times. My, my father was pretty stoic, not always able to read his emotions. What he was feeling wasn't the most emotive or expressive in his feelings, and I think I inherited that a lot. You know, on stage, I can be very emotive. I can express a lot. But in my house, I'm very often just in the corner with no emotion, just numb to the world and stoic. And Amrita's like, hey, what, what's going on with you? I'm just like, I'm just here. <laughs> this is who I am. And so uh, there have been moments in my life, though, where I couldn't help but allow emotions to burst out. And they weren't always planned. They weren't, wasn't they weren't always intentional, and there's this one moment, I think it was the first time where uh, Amritha actually met my sister, and we were in Denver. My sister is part of this tour called the Boom Boom Huff Jam Tour with Tony Hawk, so she got to tour with Tony Hawk and all these amazing uh, rappers and musicians and BMXers and inline skaters, or as the French say, rollerblading, and all these different people that would perform at this event with the mountains in the background, and go all around the country. So I went to this for the first time. I'm in the audience, and there's thousands of people around me. I'm so excited. I'm caught up in this. I, I'd played so many video games with Tony Hawk in it, and this was my moment to be part of this environment. And so this DJ gets out there, starts 
uh, just making the music amazing and mixing it with visuals. And they have some pretty famous rappers, and they're performing. And here comes a half pipe and some ramps, and they're skateboarders that do some tricks. And then they start to crisscross with one another. One skateboarder will come from over here, another from the other side, and then they would crisscross and do tricks at the same time while in the air. And I'm like, this is amazing. I was born for this moment. I love this. Is this what it means to feel? I don't know, but I like it. And so uh, I remember this moment where uh, one skateboarder is going over, another one crosses. They do like 360s or something at the same time. And then another layer of rollerbladers do backflips above them. And I'm like, this is amazing. And then the music's getting more intense. So there's all these people in the air. The DJ's like, boom, dip, boom, dip, boom. Put your hands up! And I'm like, this is amazing! I'm so excited! I'm glad to be here! Thank you, sister! And so four people in the air at the same time, and then another layer of BMX pedal bikers go do backflips in the air. I'm like, it's amazing! And I'm like, I love life! And so, and then I don't expect this. I didn't even know these people were there, but then I hear, and two Dirt bikers, motocross riders go off these ramps in a fourth layer above all of these other people. They do backflips over everybody. And I'm like, this is too much emotion. And I, I'm not exaggerating. In the midst of all these cool people next to my sister who's friends with famous people, so I'm not exaggerating. Something begins to leak out of my eye. I'm not joking. Like this liquid started to come out of my eyes and I just had to hold myself and weep quietly. <laughs> and my sister, who's like embarrassed of her little brother, and she's like, Theban, she calls me Theban, she goes, Theban, are you crying? I'm like, you didn't say there's gonna be motocross riders. Everybody's doing backflips, this is amazing. I did not know I would cry. I did not know all of these backflips would be so emotional for me. I didn't even see it coming. And, and there are moments where we have emotions that we can't control. There are emotions inside of all of us, and there are going to be times when we're not put together, we're not composed. And I, I think it's appropriate for us in the church to begin a conversation of, what do I do with all of my emotions? What do I do with all of my feelings? And for some reason, I don't know how this happened, but in the church there's become a, a stigma at times where, hey, you can only have faith but not have feelings. Hey, how are you doing today? And you're like so sad, you've been crying all night. How are you doing? You show up to church, you're like, I'm blessed. <laughs> I'm highly favored. I've been tithing all night. You're like, what does that even mean? <laughs> what? And we, we just think we have to be put together. And you're like, oh, man, I can't, should I be able to tell people I go to counseling in church? Does that, does that seem like uh, I'm not having faith and trust in God? Can you, can you love Jesus and your therapist too? Like, I, I feel like there can be this stigma in a church. But I, I think we need to begin the conversation and acknowledge that we have feelings we have emotions, and sometimes my, as a man, I'm the, I'll be the first to admit it, sometimes my eyes do sweat, okay? 
and this liquid comes out of there. It's just part of our, our life. And, and there are moments, though, when we don't acknowledge our feelings. They're going to come out sooner or later. And I, I just want to make sure we have a handle on them and have a, a plan of action and follow the example of Jesus. And the church hasn't done a good job at all times discussing this idea. And when I look at our culture, when I look at the reality of what we're all dealing with, I know we have an, a lot of amazing church people here. I know we have a lot of amazing prayer warriors, people who serve in bands and greet, or maybe you grew up in the church, but it's possible to be a Christian and still be assaulted by depression. It's possible to be a Christian and still deal with feelings of anger and rage. It's possible to be a Christian and still feel lonely and stressed out and deal with the, the pain and the lack of pain and numbness in your emotions and your feelings. And I, I just want to make sure we follow the example of Jesus. As I, I look at our culture and I see people trying to bottle up emotions, we see that they're coming out in, in various ways, whether it's violence, whether it's people like, I just need to distract myself with, you know, if I just binge watch this show, I won't have to pay attention to my feelings anymore. If I can just get home and, and you know, whine out a little bit, just have a little whiskey, a little wine, maybe then I can numb my emotions. I don't have to feel as intensely. You know, I, I'm just dealing with so much. I'm stressed out. I can't handle all the things that are going on in my life. And so may, maybe uh, maybe this, this temporary relief of pornography will distract me from this or anger and violence comes out in our families and our marriage or we just check out of these emotional times with our, our loved ones and I, I think this is a response to us not handling our emotions in a healthy way I remember last year my goodness I was in the Lincoln Square parking garage and it was a single file line waiting for a parking spot I took a spot the guy behind me got so mad because I took his spot and then he had to wait like an extra minute until I parked, and he got so mad that when I walked outside of my car, he revved up his engine and hit me with his vehicle and yelled at my face and screamed. And I was like, what is going on? How are people so on the edge where a 30-second inconvenience gets people to the point of hitting a brown pastor and dog? <laughs> what has our nation come to? You laugh, it hurt my body. <laughs> and I, I just feel like a lot of us are on edge, and we're, we're trying to find these short-term solutions that aren't really working. And so we need to look at the example of how did Jesus handle his feelings. And so we see in Matthew 26, Jesus is going through an emotional time. He's in the garden, and he's about to die on the cross. He's about to be tortured. He's about to be ridiculed and condemned and mocked. And Jesus is in the garden and he, he cries out to God. He prays. He sees the disciples sleeping around him. And I, I just want to share three things about this model, this example of what Jesus did during a time of turmoil. And the first thing that we see in this garden moment where Jesus is looking death in the face. He's almost flinching before he gets punched by all of the sin and death of this world. We see, number one, that in this moment, Jesus acknowledges his feelings. Jesus acknowledges his feelings. And 
Verse 37, it says, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. So as the readers, we know Jesus is sorrowful and troubled, but Jesus also realizes it and says it out loud. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus has emotions, and so do we. And Jesus doesn't stuff these emotions down. He doesn't ignore them. He doesn't run from them. He sits in the garden with his emotions, listening to them, acknowledging them, and validating them. And I love this example of Jesus because we as humans were built with emotions. God gave us emotions, and we can't villainize them forever. We can't demonize our emotions forever. God gave us them and gave us an example in Jesus. And I, I feel like when we ignore our emotions for so long, we lose an essential part of our humanity. Peter Schizero says it like this. When we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. When I look at the scriptures, especially when I, I read Psalms, I see psalmists and writers writing songs about their emotions. I feel like dying. I wish you would kill my enemies. God, why have you forsaken me? Why am I alone in all of this? Why are you so slow in answering my prayers? Full vulnerability, full emotions, full acknowledgement. And how did we get to this point as a culture, especially in the church, where we're afraid to acknowledge that I have real emotions? I'm not doing okay right now. I am sad. I am angry. Where when someone says, how are you? You don't just have to say blessed and highly favored. I'm having a hard time right now. Thank you for asking me. When can we as a culture start to acknowledge our feelings? You know, my, my car, my Honda Element, has had a check engine light on for about five years now. <laughs> and I, I ignore it. I just, it's just part of me now. I would actually be concerned if that light turned off. <laughs> I'd be like, all right, here we go. We're dead now. <laughs> it is gone. I, I mean, this check engine light, I just ignore it and ignore it and ignore it, but it has gotten me in a lot of trouble. And it comes out in the most inopportune of moments. I mean, my car has gotten my wife and I and our children stuck on a mountain. We've been stuck on a beach. We've been stuck far away. And we've been stuck within reach. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we ignore this check engine light, and it backfires on us. Sooner or later, it causes us trouble. And maybe we're feeling good temporarily, but long term, it hurts us. How long has the check engine light of your heart been blinking. You're stressed. You're angry. You're in trouble. And we, we tell ourselves, ah, this is just a season. If I can just make it through this day, if I can just make it through this week, and we ignore these feelings. I'm so inspired that Jesus acknowledged that I have sorrow to the point of death. And here, here's the reality. We need to have emotional health in the church. We need to start having conversations with this. I know a lot of people who are 
you know, very competent in their spirituality, you might call them spiritually healthy. You might say, oh, that person's consistent with church. That person serves. That person knows the Bible. That person understands the gospel. But I, I want to let you know that if you're not emotionally healthy, you're not healthy at all. It is an indicator. It is a check engine light for all of our being. There are times where we show up to church and we put on our great smiles. We have it all put together here and we look awesome. But then when we go home to our families, it's like, what happened? We're angry. We're dismissive. We're sarcastic. We're cutting. We're mean. We have a check engine light that is just blinking, indicating that something is deeply broken and wrong inside of our hearts. If you're not emotionally healthy, you're not healthy at all. And so I think we need to acknowledge our feelings and talk about all the feels. Amen. And so the second thing I see that Jesus does in this emotionally tense moment in the garden is, number two, Jesus submits his feelings to God. It says, my father, if it is possible, this is what Jesus says in this moment, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus is feeling a lot, but he chooses not to follow his feelings. Jesus says, hey, if there's another way out of this, if you can give me another cup, like, I don't want to be tortured. I don't want to die on the cross. If there's any loophole I don't know about, if there's another way, Father, in my prayer, I'm asking you, would you give it to me? Because my heart does not want to do this. Then he says, in total submission, with a heart saying, God, lead me. Not my will be done, but yours. I will not follow my feelings over following God. Can you just wrestle with this a moment? I mean, this is God in human skin. This is Jesus Christ saying, my purpose, my mission, the reason I came to this earth is to bring life and life abundantly, knowing that before the foundations of the earth, my life would be sacrificed. But the night before, I don't feel like doing it. I don't want this. This is hard. And he doesn't, though, give into his feelings. He doesn't just give into his emotions. Why? Because he realizes his feelings and your feelings are not a guide. They are a gauge. Our feelings are the check engine light of our hearts, not the GPS of our life. We are supposed to listen to our heart and our feelings, but I don't think we should just follow our feelings blindly. If I followed my feelings blindly, my children would not be alive. If I, right? Any parents say amen? Don't, you know what I'm talking about, Phil? Now, <laughs> Phil, when was the last time you woke up and you're like, man, what a wonderful day. I want to mess with some poopy diapers. You didn't feel like it, but you did. You changed them, though, because you didn't, you didn't follow your... I mean, I mean, there's a whole message right there. Prayer doesn't change diapers. <laughs> I tried. Sometimes you just got to say it, Lord. Hey, my, my feelings are not my guide. They're, they're a gauge. Why? Because feelings are fickle. Feelings change all the time. You know, there are moments where we say, I hate you, but you don't really mean it 10 seconds later. And our feelings can shift so fast. I remember when I got a, I got a nose ring. Right before I proposed to Armitha, I thought I would do the trick. She's going to say yes. 
So I got a nose ring, and I went home to my, my Sri Lankan dad, who's quite jolly, but very strict at times. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I walked into the house, and he goes, what is that in your nose? It's like, it's a nose ring. He's like, you are not my son. <laughs> and here's the deal. In brown families, when people say that, they mean it. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but I, I have relatives and cousins where the father and the children have not talked for decades over moments like this where they say, I cut you out of the family. You didn't do what I wanted, so we're not talking anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever, anybody have family relationships that have been severed over one moment of giving into feelings and coming to conclusions that would last forever? And so I, I knew this about my family, and I knew this was kind of ridiculous over a nose ring. And so I just took a little moment, and I was like, Dad, you don't mean that. I'm your son. He's like, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I don't feel that way anymore. He's like, but you're ugly. I was like, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> I, we can't follow our feelings. We need to be like Jesus and listen to our feelings but submit them to God. You know, our, our feelings are so temporary at times. And I don't know, there's this phrase about, I, I need to be authentic. I need to be true to myself. Like, and we kind of, we kind of like push against this whole idea of self-control or even being professional or doing what the environment calls for. Like, let's say we show up to a party and we're having a bad day and people are having lots of joy. And we think, oh, okay, I have to be true to myself so I should not enter into the joy of this party and kind of be a wet blanket on the whole party because that's being authentic. If I were to enter into the joy and smile, I would be insincere, right? And I mean, I've even seen this happen at weddings. Like, hey, I know a wedding's supposed to be a celebration, a time of joy, but you know what? I don't like weddings and I don't feel joyful right now, so I'm going to be a wet blanket on this whole thing. I'm going to be true to myself. But there are times where we need to say to our feelings, submit to God. It's, I'm not just going to follow what my heart is telling me to do right now. Yes, I listen to them. Yes, I acknowledge my feelings. But I'm going to be like Jesus and what he did in the garden. And I'm going to, in my time of turmoil, I'm going to kneel before the Lord. And I'm going to say, hey, not my will be done. Not what I'm feeling this second. But Lord, what do you want to be done in light of eternity? You know, if you want another rhyme, sometimes when we're feeling like I need to give into this anger, I need to give into the sadness, I need to make this decision because I'm feeling emotions, instead of just following blindly our feelings, we need to say to our feelings, let me get this right, we need to tell your feelings to start kneeling to God. That's rhyme. And then you'll find healing instead of reeling in your soul. Whoa. Just a vessel, guys. I'm just, a I'm just a vessel. If God will take credit for it, he authored that rhyme. I don't know if he wants credit for that. <laughs> I don't know if he wants it, but I'll give it to him. <laughs> you know, every, everything you feel is not true. Just because I say I feel and think maybe that I hate you in this moment, I know I don't. I'm just caught up in the emotion. And I'm just, I'm just so thankful 
Jesus did not give into his feelings. Aren't you? Is anybody here this morning thankful that you're not stuck in death, that you have life provided for you every single day because of the sacrifice Jesus made? Jesus endured torture. Jesus endured death. He was mocked and ridiculed even when he didn't feel like it. But he did it for us. He did it for the glory of his father. He did it in obedience to the mission that God provided for him. I am thankful Jesus didn't give in to momentary feelings, but he literally stuck his neck out for our sake. Can we give it up for Jesus in this moment? I'm so thankful for the cross. Man, I mean, let's be honest. If I gave in to all of my feelings and I followed every fickle one of them, all of our money would be in Bitcoin right now. <laughs> it's going up right now. We got to do it. <laughs> but I tell my feelings, start kneeling to God and Amrita. <laughs> Your feelings are a gauge, not a guide. Come on. Number three, what does Jesus do in this emotional time? Number three, Jesus invites community into his feelings. In verse 40, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. So Jesus is going through something extremely difficult. He gets away to isolate a place. He prays. He acknowledges his feelings. He confesses his feelings to God. He submits his feelings to God the Father. Let your will be done. But he doesn't leave it just between him and God the Father. He invites community. He invites the the disciples to come sit with him during this hard time. And what, what happens? Jesus expresses this amazing vulnerability, which I just I marvel at. He didn't let it just be him and God. And sometimes we think our Christianity, our faith journey means it's just me and God. Spirituality means like, hey, I just confess my sins to God. We're cool, and I don't need to invite anybody into my mess. But this is not the example Jesus provides for us. He invites the disciples. He prays and says, I'm going through a hard time. Would you pray and stay with me? That's what he asked them to do. And time and time again, the disciples are found sleeping. And he's like, what? I'm going through a hard time. I'm like, I'm going to die tomorrow. My life is going to end. I, I'm like, the scriptures even talk about how Jesus was so distressed that, that he, he started to, to sweat blood. This was such a difficult time. And he's like, disciples, could you hang out with me? Could you enter into my, my mess and my pain with me? And they were caught sleeping time and time again. And honestly, I see myself in this, and I see the, the church in this capital C church. I feel like there are a lot of people in our community who are maybe great fathers, great mothers, great family members, great employees, great employers, maybe great members of our, our volunteer dream team here, maybe people who are great students, but when they get home at night, they are crying themselves to sleep. They're numbing their pain away. There are people here today, you're in this room right now, and you are just stressed out of your mind. You don't know how you're going to get through this week. You don't know what to do with your emotions, and you're afraid to talk about it because you don't know how people are going to respond you don't know if people are going to care. You don't know if the church is going to care. And, and Jesus is, 
in this moment, and the disciples are sleeping, and that's why we're so passionate about this series, and like the disciples, I want to say this right, I, I believe that as the church, we need to wake up and create safe places for people in emotional distress. Don't you think that it's our time to acknowledge that there are people in our seats right now, there are people in our church, people in our city who are going through emotional distress, and like the disciples should have, I think right now, as disciples of Jesus today, we need to wake up and create safe places for people in emotional distress. We need to say it is okay to not be okay. It is okay to not, like, just, you know, bottle up your emotions all the time. You are safe in my small group. You are safe in our church. You can have these awkward conversations. You can acknowledge in your pain. And I am not just going to sleep while you're in pain. I'm going to stay and pray with you. I'm going to be with you. I am going to walk with you, not just by you. I think this is just so important. This, you know, this is how the disciples responded to Jesus in his distress. But I'm so thankful that Jesus gives us an example that while we were stuck in shame and pain, when we were stuck in death and hopelessness, Jesus went on the cross to take our pain from us. He literally co-suffered with us. Jesus doesn't have us just walk alone. Jesus doesn't say, hey, just pray about it whenever you're going through pain. He says, as your Savior, I will save you from your pain. I will not just walk by you. I will walk with you in your emotional distress. Amen. Amen. Brian Zahn says it like this. The cross is the beauty of Christianity because it is at the cross we encounter co-suffering. I love that word. Co-suffering love and costly forgiveness in its most beautiful form. And I, I just think and believe and pray that at KOL's church, we would have a safe place for us to discuss all the feels. Because I don't want them to leak out in moments of anger, moments of violence. I don't want them to leak out in, in moments of addictions or just bad decisions in the moment. I don't want them to leak out in things like that can't be reversed. Let's create a safe place at Kalos Church. And I, I just want to share quite practically, you know, we're going to be in this series for all of September, and we're going to talk about very real things. And I, I just think it would be amazing if we didn't keep this conversation to ourselves. But if we, after today, went into our families, went into our workplaces, and, and just said to our, our friends and the people around us, hey, if anybody's going through a hard time, I want to invite you to a safe place where we can acknowledge the stresses and pains of this world. Would you come sit with me at Kalos Church? It's been a place for me where I have cultivated emotional health. And if there are any of you who are looking for a place where you need to cultivate emotional health, do you want to come with me? Do you want to sit with me? Do you want to be part of the conversation? I don't want to assume you're just okay. If any of you are suffering, I don't want you to suffer silently. Come with me to church. And so there's cards on every chair right now. And they're just invite cards to come to Kalos as we talk about emotions through September. And I, I just want you to reach out to people before it's too late. There are people around us making decisions that they can't take back. And I don't know. I don't want to be the kind of person who, like, only responds to people after they do something that's public. But I would have said, I reached out before it was too late. 
I reached out, not after they're going through something, but while they're going through something. And so I just, and why don't you just pray about it this week? And if you know that there's someone who's going through some emotional distress, would you invite them to Kalos next week? As we celebrate our birthday, but also have very real conversations. And also, we have yard signs. <laughs> and you'd be amazed how many people have come to Kalos Church because of these yard signs. And if, if you want one of these signs, um, we will have them at the Connections Bar. And you can put them in your yard. Or if you see any political signs around, you know that's a safe place to put signs. So uh, <laughs> we won't get in trouble. So just take a sign if you know it's going to be visible. You see a sign that says Janice Zahn, put a, put a sign right by her. Hey, Janice. <laughs> and, uh, and we'll be able to reach people who are looking for health, wholeness, looking for a safe place to handle the realities of life. Amen. And I, I want to I close with this story. You know, a, a number of weeks ago, I think it was two weeks ago, maybe three, there was a, 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 a player for the, the Indianapolis Colts named Andrew Luck. He, he was a quarterback, and he, he announced his retirement. Has anybody heard about this? And it was, it was kind of unexpected. He had just signed a, a new contract, and people are like, whoa, you just got all this money, and now you're retiring. We're about to start a brand new season. I, my fantasy football team is about to suffer a lot. Like, why are you announcing this retirement now? And uh, he announced it, and he said, you know what? I had to take a, a season off, and my injuries have been so bad that I haven't even been able to participate in practices. And as I've been playing injured, you know, he was the number one draft pick in 2012. And as I've been playing injured, honestly, over these last, like, years, it's starting to take a toll on not just my body, but my family, and it's taking a toll on my, my mental health. I dread playing this game. I have no joy in this game, and I'm, I just want to let you know I'm not okay. This is taking a toll on my emotions, and that's why I'm retiring. And that's incredibly vulnerable, don't you think? I mean, for a football player to say, hey, I'm going here for more money, people wouldn't bat an eye. For a football player to say, hey, I'm going to this team, I think we could win a championship, people wouldn't bat an eye. But for someone to say, hey, I'm not healthy, I mean, it's inside or outside, and that, that's why I'm retiring from football, it really caught people off guard. And I want to show you a video of how this whole stadium responded to this very painful and vulnerable moment. So in this stadium, he admits he's having emotional and mental health issues. I have to retire. I can't handle this game anymore. Playing at a professional level is taking a toll on me. And, you know, we in America a lot of times say, hey, I wish they would have said something before they committed suicide or ended their life. I wish they would have just reached out. But here is someone saying, hey, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm making a decision to protect my family, to protect my mental health, and when someone actually does it, what does the crowd do? They boo him. They boo him. They don't consider what this person's going through. They consider my team, maybe, my fantasy football team's points, maybe. But I, I just think and pray that at Kalos Church, when we confess we're going through something, 
I don't want us to be like, hey, what are you doing? I thought you loved Jesus. I thought you were, I thought, I thought you were Christian. I thought you prayed. Why are you struggling? No, I don't want us to boo people and put people down because they, they reach out to help. I want us to celebrate and say, thank you for sharing with me before you did something that would affect all of us. Thank you for sharing before it was too late. And I, I just think as a nation, we need to do a better job. And as a church, we all need to do a better job of creating a safe place for us to talk about the emotions of life and saying, hey, we are a community. We are a safe place. We will not boo when you're vulnerable with us. And so can we do that, Kalos Church? Can we say it's okay to acknowledge our feelings? But our feelings, we're going to give them to God. And it's not just us and God, but we as a community will start having conversations that can help us with emotional health and human flourishing. That is our prayer, and that is our desire for the series. And I just want to encourage all of you, if you're going through something, would you speak up? Would you join a small group? And if you know that there's people around you who could use some help, would you listen and not just fall asleep while people are struggling, but stay and pray. Be there for people who need our help. Let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for your example and your model. Thank you so much for the vulnerability you showed us in the scripture. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be like you. Lord, that we would acknowledge our feelings. We would submit them to you. And we would invite community into these dark nights of our souls. And Lord, I pray that as we head into the September series and talk about all these emotions, Lord, I pray that you'd bring people to Kalos who greatly need help. People who are on the fence, maybe. People who are, are struggling, Lord. I pray that Kalos Church would be a safe place for people to find healing. Because we know when people are emotionally struggling, they're struggling in every area of life. And Lord, so we thank you for your healing. We thank you for your leadership. And we say, let your will be done here as it is in heaven, we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.